0: You're listening to Love Your City. It's a Movement Australia podcast. We believe that communities can be transformed as a unified church in every city or town lives and proclaims the gospel into every sphere of society. We'll tell stories from where this is already happening. We'll dig into the Bible to better understand God's heart for cities and towns. And we'll discuss practical strategies. Because no matter where you live, a gospel movement can happen. having a conversation about the orphans in our city. You can tell the health of a city by how well the children and women are looked after. And Right now, when we look around our nation and the fact that we have 45,000 children in out-of-home care, it would say that our children aren't doing so well. So I'm joined today with Nadine Wright from an organisation called Hope For Our Children, which is actually based here in Toowoomba. Hi, Nadine. Hi, And you're a good friend, so I feel silly being all formal. But um, (laughs) uh, no, I've been wanting to chat with you for a long time because this is just such an important issue, which is so overwhelming. And probably looking around uh, our cities, the churches, um, to be frank, we're we're not doing a good job on this issue, are we? Yeah, no, not really. Uh,
1: It's a very, like you said, it's a very overwhelming issue. And I think... um, knowing where we can start is always the first good practical step.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but, yeah, like you said, we have a lot of children in out-of-home care and um, 35 of uh, 32,000 of those sorry, are children who won't ever be reunified back to their parents. So nationally that number is the amount of children who need long-term placements, who will um, always need to live what you'd call with two different Families, so they live with their long-term family, that would be their mum and dad, and then they'd have their biological family, who are also their mum and dad, who they need to keep contact with.
0: Yeah. So that's an overwhelming number. Forty-five thousand kids are out of. They just can't live with their with their families. They're deemed unsafe um and then 32,000 of those will never go home so only yes. 13,000. And the reason why the foster care system was originally set up was to just give these parents a little break, you know, help them sort out their junk so we could put the kids back in the home but that's no lo- longer happening. How did we get to this point where it's just so drastic? Yeah,
1: it's an it's an interesting thing cuz foster care in the homes originated out of the Um, institutionalised care of the um, you know the really big institutions like typical orphanages and they realise that they are really unhealthy for children and that children need a mum and a dad in their life who will um, walk with them through everything and they need that closer attention that that a big group home can really afford So we moved into this model and the the statistics show that if a reunification occurs and is going to be quite successful it's often done in the first 13 weeks mm. of a child having been removed so that the parents can get into budgeting programs nutrition programs accountability mentorship um rehab if it's one of those things but the reality is we have such a lot in like the big amount of families that are needing this Um, services that all of the support services are quite overwhelmed it takes a long time it can take six months or longer to get into a rehabilitation clinic and then the longer it takes to try and reunify with the biological parents the less of a chance that the child and parent will reattach and have a successful reunification because children need attachment so Mm -hmm. if the mum takes two three five years or the dad does to come around to be able to offer care for that child that child's attachment has swung now from their biological caregiver to their foster caregiver. And so then reunifying them after that long is is another break in that child's attachment, which is quite traumatic mm. and has quite bad outcomes to so have breaks in attachment. So, yeah, it's a system that needs to work on a much smaller timeframe to have success in either long-term placements or um, reunifications back to home. Mm.
0: And it's just really, you and I have had discussed this many times, how broken the system is, um, really. I mean, we've gone from orphanages back in the day to now families, but now um, new residentials are opening up for kids who can't even go into families because they're just... Why can't they live with the family and they've got to be put into a home by (laughs) themselves?
1: Yeah, the residentials were originally set up um, for kids that were removed too late. So they had witnessed or received too much trauma. So they are unable because of their mental health and because of their broken attachment, they are unable to have a safe relationship with a family and live in a family home because they are too violent. And um, and so we place them in these residential facilities, but the problem is at the moment, uh, in our recent audit of care, um, we found that in Queensland, um, one third of the kids placed in residential facilities aren't there because of high needs they're there because we don't have enough foster families and um, these children are as young as three and six placed into blocks of flats or mental health units um, sort of really big group homes and they're placed with children who are quite high needs so our latest audit from care actually says in writing from the government that the placements within the residentials for some of these children is more traumatic than the home that they were removed from and that's something that like is just really heartbreaking yeah mm-hmm. makes us really sad because if you take a child out of their biological home the home and childhood that they should be provided with should be better than anything they could get anywhere else it should not be removing them to place them into further harm within the system
0: mm-hmm.
1: I, I looked up the statistics today on missing people because i've been really interested because we have um, some of the residentials find it hard to keep the kids coming back to the resi's. So some of them sleep rough on the streets, um, some of them move interstate, some of them get in really unhealthy relationships. Um, South Australia just had a 13-year-old fall pregnant to a 36-year-old man recently and he picked her up from a residential facility. And um, 35,000 people nationally in Australia go missing and 25,000 of those are children yeah. They're under the age of 18. So it shows that a lot of what we're doing, we're not doing right. And we need to keep trying to find a better way to do this because um, these kids are our future. Yeah. This, is a, this is a big number of kids we're talking about. And they really, even if it was one, it's worth changing for. Absolutely. But it's gonna be, be creating such a big detriment on uh, the future and on society and on them having their own children. And, you know, it's a flow on effect.
0: Yeah. Now, when I read my Bible, um, it talks a lot about the orphans and the responsibility that the church has to the orphans. I mean, it's huge because yep. uh, God was just big on the fact that children are looked after in the family of God. I guess in our nation, um, the government has come along and said, we'll, we'll take over. Thank you, church. Maybe because we haven't always done a great job. I don't know. So what role does the church have to play or how do we re-engage with this issue? Because right now we are more or less missing in action.
1: Yeah, so the government has stepped up and it's taken it away from the NGOs sort of interstate care more because of things like the Royal Commission and abuse within the church. But really when you come down to it, abuse isn't an issue within the church, it's an issue within society. So whether you're a Christian or you're not a Christian, there's going to be risk with placing a child with people. And so I've seen a lot of the church sort of step back and get quite cautious because of some of the royal commissions that have been happening and feeling fearful about getting involved in government work. But if you can understand that everyone has a sin nature, whether you're a Christian or not, um, the church really needs to be involved. And I really, I really believe it's because um, like Jesus was adopted his father his father is god but his earthly father Mm -hmm. joseph he adopted him he didn't turn him out because he wasn't of his own flesh Mm -hmm. So jesus himself as our savior was placed in an adoptive care relationship Mm -hmm. and then um and then he adopted us and he adopted us in such a way he took upon us um our suffering and sinfulness so much so like It was beyond his bearing ability you know like when you think about when jesus was walking to the cross trying to carry the cross literally um the roman soldiers got another man simon um to carry the cross for him to carry that burden for jesus so that he could get to the place of suffering that he could uh, redeem our sins and i think that's a really great example for the church to realize that this is what we are called to do we're not called to look fancy or look nice We're called into situations where we carry the cross, literally other people, like we carry the burdens for them when it's too heavy for them. Sorry, when it's too heavy for them to carry themselves. You know, little kids who have come out of really bad trauma, they don't have the mental health or the longevity to even look ahead, to think things will get better. I'll just work through this stuff and I'll work hard and it'll get better. But we as adults can do that for them. Mm -hmm. You know, we can carry that hope of a better future and a healing experience while we walk beside them in the trauma that they have. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really unique thing to our Christian faith, Mm -hmm. coming as Gentiles, being adopted into the Jewish faith of being one of God's children. That Mm -hmm. is something that we know really deeply in our own hearts and our own identity that God gave us the last name and he gave us the heritage
0: yeah. um, and a future yeah. and that's what we can offer to these kids. Yeah. So I, th- I think fear is a big factor in us yeah. not stepping up and offering so when and we've again had these conversations and heard many people say oh, I could never take a child into my home because they're just going to be take, removed you know like I want them forever and I can't do that to my other children and you know these are real valid fears as well but What what do you say to that?
1: Absolutely. They are real valid fears and they are real costs. You can't go into foster care and taking someone into your home and think uh, that it won't cost you because it will. Um, And there could be um, reunifications that you have to give a child back when you don't feel like that's a good option, when you're not happy with uh, their standard of living or something that the child goes into. You don't have that right as a foster carer to step in and stop a placement. That's the government's decision. Uh, But that's the point we have, like if you would be full of grief and if you would be crushed with the child being removed from your care, that's a sign that you have done a good job. If you have loved this child so deeply that it's like one of your own, that's a good job done. And even if that child isn't with you for very long, they will remember that connection that you have with them and that they had a safe space. We have many stories. You hear lots of foster care stories, adoption stories, um things like that and we've heard of couples even my my grandmother she was fostering uh in new zealand a long long time ago she's 90 over not 96 now and she had children that they had fostered for about four years uh when they're in their formative years so under 10. they tracked down my grandparents in their 60s and found them again because they remember how loved they felt in that family home mm-hmm. with my grandparents. And so they became, again, part of the family. They were one of my, some of my aunties and uncles when I grew up. And it's just such a beautiful thing to have this interwoven family. It doesn't matter of ethnicity or things like that, you make your own special culture. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is a cost and it is a real thing, but it's it's a sign of a good job. And mm-hmm. it's, I would rather be brokenhearted And have to give up a child back into a placement because Jesus is about reunification you know the first place for those children is not with a foster care family the first place God chose to put those children is with their biological family and I would rather do that than to leave them bounce around and sit in residential facilities or mental health units or become homeless and sleeping rough at ages under 10. That would be better that I suffer in my heart and be sad than to know that that child didn't have a safe place to sleep at night.
0: Yeah. So just before we wind up, Nadine, what are some practical steps that churches can take to engage in this area?
1: Absolutely. There's, um, there's studies that show that children that grow up in religious uh, structured families and communities do a lot better um, in emotional intelligence, getting ready for life. Um, being able to navigate and problem solve things like that that are really important for future so we want these kids in these places so to get involved and support and make a practical difference in your own city you don't have to become a foster carer because mm-hmm. if that's not your calling that's that's not your calling so you can um firstly you can always support your local foster care um group like with hope for our children we have some lovely people that donate to us um and that helps us move around and do more Uh, work government wise and supporting other carers Uh, we also have you can become what's called a pajama angel in australia and that's where you will mentor uh, a family and you'll go in and do homework with the kids Um, you can offer respite you don't have to have care for that if it's under a 48 hour period and then if you wanted to become a foster carer you can be emergency placements or respite placements you could do short term different age groups um, babies particularly, they try to reunify them within the first few months uh, or you could become a long-term carer and you could have, um, you could apply it to have children in your home forever and that's underneath things like a permanency care order. So there are lots of different levels
0: mm-hmm.
1: that you can take to uh, make a difference in
0: your own city. Yep, absolutely. absolutely. We have been um, inspired through Movement Day of cities around the world where the churches working together have literally gone to their foster care agencies and said, we want to make sure every child in our city has a home. Yes. Um, and there's a couple of cities around the world who have done that and uh, they've yeah. they've really helped train and support them. And so we haven't yet heard of any city in Australia. So um, this is the challenge, Australian people, um, Australian <laughs> cities, it is a huge challenge. But again, I think this is a responsibility. If the church isn't caring for the most vulnerable and the orphans, then what are we doing? So um, thank you, Nadine, for your time. Thank you for your passion, your emotion. Um, you're a foster care mother yourself. Um, you've got six children, uh, four biological and, and two beautiful ones that you are offering um, so much love and joy. And, and we get to enjoy their fun <laughs> at church on Sundays. <laughs> They're very cheeky. but. Um, We'll put more information about Hope for Our Children up here and um, people can get in contact with you if they want to know more and how we go about that. So thank you so much for your time. No, thanks for having me.